Isaiah 41, beginning at verse 1. Be silent before me, you islands. Let the nations renew their strength. Let them come forward and speak. Let us meet together at the place of judgment. Who has stirred up from one from the east, calling him in righteousness to his service? He hands nations over to him and subdues kings before him. He turns them to dust with his sword, to wind-blown chaff with his bow. He pursues them and moves on unscathed by a path his feet have not traveled before. Who has done this and carried it through, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, with the first of them and with the last, I am he. The islands have seen it in fear. The ends of the earth tremble. They, they approach and come forward. They help each other and say to their companions, be strong. The metal worker encourages the goldsmith and the one who smooths with the hammer spurs on the one who strikes the anvil. One says of the welding, it is good. The other nails down the idol so that it will not topple. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob, little Israel. Do not fear. For I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chaff. You will winnow them, the wind will pick them up and a gale will blow them away. But you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia and the myrtle and the olive I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and cypress together, so that people may see and know 
may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. This is God's Word. Thanks, Ben. Morning, everyone. My name's Scott. I'm the student minister. Um, My privilege to take us through these wonderful uh, promises in Isaiah 41. So let's pray um, as we look at them together. Let's pray together. Our Father, you know our hearts are very prone to fear when we're when we don't know what's going on, when we wonder um, what your plans and purposes are uh, in in this world. Father, would would these wonderful promises of Isaiah 41, would they strengthen our hearts that we might trust in your goodness, in your plans, in your perfect will, that we might live as those who are not afraid, but who trust that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Passage is all about how to deal with change, big change, um, and change is frightening, isn't it? Um, even if you're a, a, someone who loves new things, um, always up for the next thing, uh, when, when something that you've become used to um, changes suddenly, it's frightening, it's scary. That's true, isn't it, on a, on a global scale um, in our world. It's, it's almost a year, isn't it, one year almost to the day since the start of the war in Ukraine. And one of the reasons that it was so, um, has been so uh, frightening and unsettling is that it had been so long since there'd been anything like that um, in Europe. We'd become used to an, an era of cooperation and friendship uh, between uh, the West and Russia. And that just ended um, almost overnight. And the whole uh, system of geopolitics just changed. And it's scary. Bring it a little bit, little bit closer to home. Um, I guess you're following, we were praying earlier about the issues in the Church of England at the minute and the discussions um, and votes on blessing of same-sex relationships. I guess that may occupy more of your time if, if, if you feel particularly Anglican, but it is an anxious time for Christians in this country. What will it mean for Christchurch Mayfair? Um, I'm certainly thinking, what will it mean for St. Augustine's Wembley Park when we take a crowd there um, in the summer? What will it mean more than that for, for the gospel witness in, in England, in this nation? It's anxious times. Change is, is, is frightening on a personal level too, isn't it? Maybe when um, there's a restructuring of your team at work and you're just not sure where you fit in that change. Where's your place in it? Or maybe you're at the stage where, um, where your, your kids are moving schools or there's a big change in your family and there's so much to decide and so many moving parts and you wonder what difference will this make uh, for, for them, for our family? It can be frightening. And any big change um, exposes our hearts, doesn't it? it? It shows us a little bit of, of who we trust. Where, where am I going to look for my help, for my strength? Well, the encouragement of Isaiah 41, and when we face those big changes, is God says, do not fear, I am with you. See, everyone else might, might turn and trust in other things, but God says, you can trust me. You can trust me. I am your help. Let me uh, remind us where, where we're at um, in Isaiah. The Israelites um, need to hear at the encouragement of Isaiah 41 here, because a big change is coming. 
Chapter 39 of Isaiah, um, they were told that they'd be going into exile in Babylon. Chapter 40 was all comfort. Their comfort as they face exile is that the Lord will not abandon them there, but he'll bring them back. Here in chapter 41, we get a hint of how God is going to do that. And it is through a big change in the the global uh, political scene. See, the people will be in exile in Babylon, but Babylon will be conquered um, by another superpower, by Cyrus and the king of Persia. And Cyrus is not uh, named here, he's named later in Isaiah, but there are definitely hints uh, that that is who uh, the Lord is talking about here. And in the end, that big change will work out for the good of God's people because Cyrus will be the one who who allows them to return to Jerusalem and and rebuild the temple. But in the moment, the Israelites have no idea how it's going to work out. They don't know uh, whether uh, it's going to work out for their good, this big change, or whether it will make their lives harder. In the moment, they're, they're wondering what this change will mean for them, for their families, for their nation. And that's why they need the encouragement of Isaiah 41. So here's how we're going to look at it, and the outline's on your, um, on your handout if that's helpful. So when, when a big change is coming, there are two responses we see in, in this passage. Firstly, the nations fear and turn to idols. But secondly, God's people can trust him to help. And then what does that help actually look like? Well, God promises to give them victory and to provide everything that they need. Let's dive in um, in verse 1. When the Lord asks the question, who has done this? Who is going to do this? Let me read from verse 1 again. Be silent before me, you islands. Let the nations renew their strength. Let them come forward and speak. Let us meet together at the place of judgment. The scene is, is a courtroom. And the Lord calls the nations who are wondering what on earth is going on. How is this going to work out? And God says, okay, let's, let's talk this out. In fact, let's not talk it out. I'll talk and you be silent. You listen. And he poses a question, who has done this? And the answer he gives, I have. I have done it. Verse 2. Who has stirred up one from the east, calling him in righteousness to his service? He hands nations over to him and subdues kings before him. He turns them to dust with his sword, to wind-blown chaff with his bow. He pursues them and and moves on unscathed by a path his feet have not traveled before. Who has done this and carried it through, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, with the first of them and with the last, I am he. The question is, who has raised up this, this conqueror, this conqueror of nations, this new superpower? Who has raised him up? And God says, I have. I have done it. I have the one who, who's, I'm the one who stirred up this king, Cyrus, to do my work. I am the sovereign Lord, he says. I am in control of everything, including the big things. Now, this, this is a specific moment in Israel's history, isn't it, where God steps in and says, I have done this. But the Bible story is that the Lord is sovereign over everything. He is always the sovereign Lord. He is always in control of every event from the biggest uh, political change to the smallest detail of our lives. And he has promised to work it all out for the good of his people, all of it. 
This big change is the Lord's doing. So how will the people respond? Well, the first response we see is the nations. The nations fear and turn to idols, verse 5. The islands have seen it and fear. The ends of the earth tremble. They approach and come forward. They help each other and say to their companions, be strong. The metal worker encourages the goldsmith and the one who smooths with the hammer spurs on the one who strikes the anvil. One says of the welding, it is good. The other nails down the idol so it will not topple. See, this change that is coming for the Israelites is, is big enough, is on such a big scale that it affects everyone, even the ends of the earth. And their response is fear. They're terrified. And in their fear, they do what they've always done and turn to their idols. It's interesting what, what Isaiah draws our attention to here. It, it, it's not so much what they're making as the, the, the sense of them doing it together. This is a team effort. They help each other and encourage each other on in making their idols. One says to another, keep going. You're, you're, just, you're doing a great job. Fantastic. Maybe if, if, we, if we all keep working together, if we do our best, this idol will, will be able to insulate us, protect us from the worst of, of the change that is coming. Maybe we'll be okay. It's essentially what they're saying here, the nations. And that is, isn't it, what, what humanity always tries to do. And we, we naturally turn to the things that we trust in. And often we'll do it together. And for, for the societies in Isaiah's day, that was turning to their idols of wood and stone that they had made. In our Western liberal um, democratic societies, I, I guess it's, it's turning to, to wealth, to the economy, um, or to influence, or to, to comfort, or to, to just the, the self-expression that says, as long as everyone can do what they want, we'll be fine. If only we can, we can pull together and get the economy going again, maybe we'll be able to pull through. It's easy to trust those things, isn't it? It's what our society does. It's where our society turns when faced with something frightening. And that, that sheer weight of, of popular opinion can, can seem really intimidating. It's very powerful. It can feel like the obvious thing to do. Maybe they've got it right. Maybe that is where we should look uh, for our comfort. Isaiah will, will show us the foolishness of trusting in idols a bit later um, in, in the book. But we get a, a little hint of it here as he ends this section on the nations. As he says, the other nails down the idol so it will not topple. See, the only thing stopping these idols from, from toppling over is human work. The nails that, that humans hammer in to keep it from falling over in a, in a light breeze. See, the idols are, our society looks to, they, they may seem impressive but they don't protect. They cannot protect. They are just idols. And they certainly don't deal with our fears. The best the nations have got is to, is to turn to their idols, what they've always done. But God's people have something much greater, don't they? They can trust in their God to help. That's what we see secondly. God's people can trust him to help. Verse 8, here's the contrast. But you... 
Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, the nations may run after their idols, but God's people are different. God says, you are my servant. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. Now, the the idea of of God's servant is is a big one in this whole section of Isaiah. And we'll see later that it's applied to Cyrus and the king, but it also points us forward um, to God's true Messiah, to Jesus. But here, um, in Isaiah 41, it's Israel that is God's servant. God's people are his servants. So some questions, what does that mean? Why them? And why is that a good thing? What does it mean they're his servant? Why them? And why is it a good thing? to be the Lord's servant. What does it mean, first of all? Well, God says, out of all the nations, you have a special relationship with God, a personal relationship with him. They are those who God has chosen to be his. Why did he choose them? Well, not because they were a big, powerful, and important group of people, no. He brought them from the ends of the earth, They were nothing. He called them when they weren't even a people. They weren't even a nation. It was just Abraham off in the the desert. He chose them. And why is it a good thing to be the Lord's servant, to be chosen by him? Well, because it means that the Lord will not reject them now. Just because there's a new superpower in town doesn't mean God's plans are changing. And so God says, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Literally that feeling when when you don't know where to look. There's so much that you could be frightened of that your eyes are dotting around everywhere. Do not be dismayed. The world might, might feel like it's shifting under your feet, but you don't need to panic. I am with you, God says. Everyone else may be against you, but I am with you. And with you, not, not just in the sense of, um, you know, there as a, as a companion in your, in your, in your um, fear. No, he is actually able to do something. He says, he'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you. The Lord says to his people, I've, I've got this. I've got you in my hands. Which is why the people can trust him. It's why they don't need to fear. What does that mean for us? These promises apply to us. I guess it's not, um, it's not as simple as saying, therefore, we'll never be afraid. There will never be fear. But it does change how much we, we fear, what we fear. When something goes wrong and it is frightening, what do you do with that? What do you do when there's there's a big change that suddenly hits you? Do you fret? Do you plan? Plan it all out? Do you check the bank balance? 
Those things may, may well be sensible things to do at some point, but first and foremost, God's people, do you remember who holds your life in his hands? Can you pray, Lord, I know that you are with me in this. Frightening as it is, I know you are with me. As I've heard everyone tell us, he, he's got you. Whatever the change you're facing, he's got you and you can trust him. You can trust him to be your help. What does that actually look like? The Lord promises to be his people's help. What does it actually look like? Well, two, two pictures we get here, one of victory and one of provision. God will make his people victorious. Verse 11. See, some people won't like that God's people trust in him and not in the idols. That was true in Isaiah's day. That will be true today. But those people, God says, will come to nothing, while God's people will win. Read again from verse 11. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. See, people will rage and oppose and wage war against God's people. But God has got them. Verse 13, for I am your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. God says, I, I, I take hold of your right hand. It is a, a picture of, of comfort, but also of, of help. Some of the um, pictures coming out of um, Turkey and Syria have been devastating, haven't they? Um, in amongst all of the, the scenes of, of awful destruction, I think this one um, uh, was, was one of the most striking. Um, it is a, a, a father, a guy called Mesut, um, holding... Uh, his, his daughter's hand um, who, has, who has been trapped in the rubble. Um, it's, it, it's, it's a beautiful picture of, of his, his wanting to be near her. And yet it's also um, tragic um, because his, his daughter had died uh, when their building collapsed and he can do nothing about it. He's there, but he cannot do anything. When God says, I'll, I'll take hold of your right hand, he says, I'm, I'm there for you, I'm there with you, and I can help you. Verse 14, do not be afraid, you worm Jacob, little Israel, do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, Israel is like a little worm. They are so weak and small and helpless. But they have the Holy One of Israel, their Redeemer, on their side. They can be the weakest thing in the world, but they've got the Lord of all creation behind them. It's like um, uh, our sons are very into sea animals at the minute, so we've been doing lots of research on sea animals. Find this one, the, the remora fish. Um, the remora fish is just, just a little fish, but it's got this special sucker on the top of its head, which means it, it attaches itself to a great white shark. And so as the remora fish swims around, no one messes with it, okay? It's barely got any teeth. It's just a little, little fish, but no one messes with that fish because 
is there with the shark. That, that, is, that is the picture. Um, that, that, well, it's like the picture. That's the picture that we get of, of, of God's protection and care and strengthening of his people. They're nothing. He is the Lord of all creation. In fact, the, the, Isaiah gives us a, a little picture. Verse 15, see, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp, with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chaff. You will winnow them. The wind will pick them up and a gale will blow them away. But you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. The the picture there is, um, he says, you're like a threshing sledge. What's a threshing sledge? It's a bit like a combine harvester, okay, today. Um, That's that's the sort of job it had. So Israel feel like um, this. They feel like um, a pair of sort of um, kids' safety scissors, yeah, all, like almost useless, almost almost no point in them, you know, even having them. What, what are they even for? And yet, they are like that. But God will make them into into a threshing sledge. He will make them into into a, a combine harvester that is able to sharpen new teeth, just do amazing things, and not even um, just harvest grain which is what a threshing sledge was for. They're not just able to chop down the grain. No, they're able to to deal with whole mountains. Whole mountains will be chopped down before them. All of those those other strong nations will be thrown up like grain and, and blown away. But God's people will rejoice in their God. We can, we can look and feel so weak in trying to follow Jesus. The world faces change and, and everyone turns to, um, to their wealth or their comfort or their, their collaboration. And all we've got is um, trust in Jesus. So when the Church of England is, is wanting to go along with what the rest of society thinks um, on sex and what is good, and all we've got is... is the Bible, and what it tells us about what is best for us. It can feel weak. And yet, who is behind us? Whose word is it? Who is the Redeemer? He is the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Jesus has more power in his, in his little finger than all the powers of this world working together. Jesus has triumphed over um, all authority at the cross and has risen again victorious from the dead. And he says, I am with you. I am your help and your strength. And maybe we'll see that in the here and now. Maybe we'll see it in the particular changes globally, nationally, personally that we face at the minute. Or maybe we'll have to wait Maybe we'll have to wait until glory to see how God has made his people victorious. But he will do it. God will make his people victorious. That's the first picture, victory. God's people will will have victory, but God's people will also have everything that they need. Verses 17. It's it's a related picture here of, of a thirsty people in the desert. The desert is not a good place to be without water. That's why people are described as poor and needy. Verse 17, the poor and needy search for water, but there is none. 
Their tongues are parched with thirst. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together, so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. See, people are in the, in the wilderness, but the Lord will provide abundantly, even in the desert. And this is, this is not just a picture of, of a sort of oasis um, in the middle of the desert, but a, but a river and springs and the desert itself turning into pools of water. This is abundant provision. This is not, you know, I'll, I'll fly in a, a couple of water bottles. This is a luscious forest, all these trees, water and shelter in the harshest of environments. And why does God do that? Why does he provide for his people? It's not just so they can have comfort and ease. Verse 20, so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. See, as God provides for his people, gives them what they need in the midst of the hardest things, we will all say, God has done this. God has done this. The New Testament tells us that, that, that God will provide everything that we need in Jesus. And so we do not need to fear. Romans 8, um, famous verses 31 and 32. What then, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? See what Paul is saying there? God has given his own son for you, if you're one of his people. He is not going to give up on you now. He's not going to um, abandon his people um, who are persecuted across the world. He'll be their strength and their help. He's not going to desert his people in, in this country, even if um, the CV falls to bits. He'll be with you. As we face whatever changes frighten us in our lives at the minute, he will be with us. He will provide what we need for us to be faithful to him, to keep us going to the end. He is our strength our help. He will uphold us. The Lord promises, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. That's the encouragement we need uh, as we face whatever the challenges are, whatever the big changes that frighten us, that keep us awake. The Lord is with us. He is our strength and our help. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you so much for who you are and what you have promised to be for your people. Father, you have promised in the midst of fear, in the, in the midst of the things that, that, that are shifting all around us, that you will be with us. 
that we do not need to fear as others fear, that you will give us the strength and the help to keep going. Father, we pray that, that you would give us eyes of faith to see what you're doing, even when we don't understand it, and to know that you are with us. Father, help us to be those who, who encourage one another, not, not to turn to idols, but to turn to you, that remind one another of all that you have done for us and have promised to do for us in the Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.